and welcome here to the place where the churches of Black Mount and Bigger are meeting together. If you're new, you are most welcome to share with us. We are delighted that you've come. If you would like to know more about our fellowship, who we are, what we do, and what we stand for, then please do get in touch. My contact details are in the description of the video down below there. We're in the midst of a series looking at that picture we've been given of the early church in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And we've identified five things or five marks that made that community of people distinctive. And those five marks are, one, they gathered around God's word. Two, they did life together. Three, they shared the Lord's Supper and other meals together. Four, they prayed together. And five, they were growing in number. This week, we move on to the third mark of the early church. It says in verse 42, that not only did the early Christians devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, but to the breaking of bread. And down in verse 46, it says, they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. According to scholars, that phrase, breaking bread together, refer refers to the Lord's Supper, or what depending on your tradition, is also sometimes called communion or the Eucharist. When Jesus wanted his disciples, his followers, to remember him, he gave them a meal. And at the Last Supper, he commanded them to eat this meal that we as his disciples still eat today. And we're going to eat it together in this service we can't be all together physically, but virtually here online, we are going to break bread together, just as Christians have done from the days of the early church. Well, why did Jesus give us a meal to remember him by? Why didn't he just give us words in a book that we could think about with our minds? Jesus gave us the communion meal because we are more than minds. Oh, he loves our minds, but he loves all the rest of us too. He gave us his all, his body and his soul, that we might respond to him with our all. Communion is a rich symbol that is deep and pregnant with meaning. Communion is a symbol that summarizes just about everything in the Christian life. It's a symbol that anyone can grasp, no matter their intellectual or physical capacity. Communion, this meal that Jesus gave us, is something that you can see with your eyes. You can taste it with your taste buds. You can Feel it with your hands, and you can even hear it with your ears, as well as contemplate it with your heart and with your mind. Communion points us to Jesus 
in a way that nothing else can. And so we gather around this table to break bread today and to remember him. If you haven't prepared your bread and wine or juice already, it isn't too late. Maybe one of you could pop out to the kitchen during our first hymn and get what you need. Just a little bread and anything to drink, preferably red in color. Now, those of you who haven't popped out to the kitchen who are remaining here, we worship God together with our first hymn, the hymn, Only by Grace Can We Enter. Have your Bibles with you this morning. Could you please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11? And we begin reading at verse 17 and right through to verse 33. God's word. Let's read together. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you has God's approval. So then, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves, therefore, before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why many of you are weak and ill, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined 
so that we will not finally be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further instructions. The Word of God. Let's pray as we turn to reflect on it. Lord God, we thank you for this letter that was written not to us, but to other folk in another very different place and time. And Lord, even though that place and that time have passed, this letter still speaks to us. It was not written to us, but for us. And reflecting on it, we see that these folks were very much like us in many ways. And we ask you now, Lord, to speak to us through this, your word. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I said earlier that the Lord's Supper or Communion is a symbol that summarizes just about everything in the Christian life. We don't have enough time this morning to explore all the ways that communion does that. If we did, we would be here for a very long time. But what I would like to explore this morning is how sharing this meal, communion, symbolizes the two marks of the church that we've looked at in our series already, namely that gathering around the word and doing life together. Firstly, the Lord's Supper or communion symbolizes our gathering around the word. Jesus himself showed us how. You remember when Jesus was tempted in the desert he was hungry after having fasted for many days. And the tempter meets him there in the desert and he asks Jesus to turn stones into bread. Now this is something that Jesus could have done, but Jesus' response to the tempter was to quote a passage from the Old Testament scriptures from God's word. Jesus said, quoting from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, Human beings do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You see, Jesus was so immersed in the scriptures that when he was tempted, his response was shaped by scripture. That's one way that Jesus showed his devotion to God's word. And it's a way that we should devote ourselves to God's word too. In eating the bread at communion, we are reminding ourselves of that truth, that the scriptures and indeed all that comes from the mouth of the Lord are the wisdom on which we depend for living our lives. Those words of Scripture are more important than food. Those words that 
come from the mouth of the Lord. But as we saw a couple of weeks ago, the Word of God is Scripture, but it's also more than Scripture. The core, the seed of the Word of God to which all of Scripture points is fundamentally Jesus. Jesus, God made flesh, who dwells among us, is the Word of God. Jesus is the ultimate way in which God spoke and in which he speaks to people today. Jesus, ultimately, is the way that God feeds people and gives people life. In the Gospel of John, after Jesus performed that miracle of feeding 5,000 people, those people come to him and find him to get more bread. And Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. And if you eat this bread, my body, and drink my blood, you will remain in me and you will have eternal life. Now those folks misunderstood Jesus. They thought that he was speaking about cannibalism and they were rightly revolted. But of course Jesus wasn't speaking of literally eating his body and drinking his blood. Jesus was saying that trusting in him, in his death and resurrection, remaining in him, being in relationship with him, feeding on his word, listening to him in prayer as his spirit speaks to us and to them was what would sustain them and give them life. Not just for the here and now, but life into eternity also. And so fundamentally, when we eat the bread at communion and drink the wine or juice, we are remembering that it, this faith, this life, is all about Jesus. We are remembering Jesus, the Word. Communion or the breaking of bread is also symbolic of the other mark of the early church that we looked at last week, that devotion to doing life together. Communion is about community. That indeed is where the word comes from. For the early church, eating this special meal, this communion meal that Jesus commanded them to eat, was as much about their relationship to each other as it was to, as about their relationship to God through Jesus. This meal is the family meal of all the followers of Jesus. Scholars tell us that early on this meal was normally eaten in the context of another meal, the agape meal or the love feast which is explicitly mentioned in Jude chapter 1. And we see in Acts 2, our core passage, communion was an expression of community that was happening day in and day out in that early church. They weren't just meeting at church for a formal communion ritual. No, it says that they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad 
and sincere hearts. In these early days, they were having communion in their homes. Indeed, there were no church buildings at that time. But a more important example for us who have church buildings, these folks were also eating other meals together. They were sharing food often in their homes as well. The Acts passage also says that they were sharing possessions and helping each other wherever there was a need. The point is that the Lord's Supper, communion, this special meal that they ate was of a piece and symbolic of that radical love, forgiveness, generosity, and hospitality that was happening for them on a daily basis. And it should be the same for us. Our communion meal should be a reflection of who we are. People connected in an intimate relationship with Jesus, who by his undeserved grace and the prompting of his Holy Spirit makes us want to have loving, forgiving, generous, and hospitable connections with his people, just as the disciples did in that early church that we see in Acts. Here's the thing. If we get doing life together right, the Lord's Supper is going to be meaningful. But if we get doing life together wrong or neglect it altogether, no matter how hard we try to make the Lord's Supper significant, it won't be. It could, in fact, be dangerous. Dangerous to the church as a whole, but also to us as individuals, as Paul warned his friends in Corinth. Many of us know this passage from 1 Corinthians that we read earlier quite well. We hear it every time, or we hear a bit of it every time that we have communion, that passage that we call the institution of the Lord's Supper. We might know this passage well, but it is a tricky one, and it's hard to understand what Paul is on about. I'm not going to explicate every word in this passage. We'll leave that for another time. But here's some background that I think might help us to understand this passage a bit better, but also understand our life together a bit better. Diversity, even though it is something that we value in our day, is quite unusual. We stand, tend to stick with people who are like us. But in Paul's day, diversity was downright unheard of. Class distinction, division between the rich and the poor was huge in Paul's day, and it was a given. If you were rich in the ancient world, you were expected to live like you were rich. And you were expected to associate only with other rich and well-to-do people. Though 
Christians understood that in Christ there was no male or female, Jew or Greek, rich or poor, slave or free. It was still a huge temptation, especially for the rich, to divide themselves off from others, and especially the poor. And that is exactly what was happening in Corinth when Paul heard about it and wrote this letter. And it was happening when the people were coming together for communion. In Corinth, when the church came together for their common meals, which included the Lord's Supper, the rich who owned their own houses were gathering with other well-to-do people, perhaps in a rich man's house, in a separate room. And they were eating their own little private feast at whatever time they pleased, all the while disregarding the rest of the people of God, and especially the poor people of God, who were probably gathered in the courtyard of that same house. And Paul is outraged. And so he writes here in 1 Corinthians, I have no praise for you. And he writes, you are despising the church of God. In Paul's understanding, the whole point of the church and the whole point of the Lord's Supper was to, was to declare to a broken and divided world just what Jesus has done and was doing. What God in Christ through his Spirit was doing and is doing in his church was to make out of the diversity of the human race one new race of human beings who have being in Jesus as the one thing that holds them together and the one thing that is overcoming all divisions and all barriers as it spreads throughout the world. And it was the unity of this new family, according to Paul, that was intended to attract others to want to know more and to come themselves to be united to Jesus. And as they did so, one person at a time, this was the movement that was to change the world through redemption and recreation in Jesus. This meal, this communion that Jesus instructed his followers to eat together was a powerful symbol of that unity, according to Paul. But by their actions, the rich in Corinth were symbolizing something else altogether. And Paul gives one of his severest warnings against this. Now, we live in a very different situation to the people in Corinth. But the temptation to divide up into groups where we find affinities of skin color or class or preferences over music or styles of worship is just as strong for us as it was in Corinth, made up of every tribe and tongue and age and socioeconomic group, however. 
we as Christ's church are meant to declare by our unity that Christ is Lord, that he is Lord alone. It is being in him that matters above anything else. And this meal, this communion, is where that is most powerfully symbolized and proclaimed. A lot of folks get hung up on how we do communion, where the elders stand or where they sit, who serves whom, who should take communion and who shouldn't. Should we use wine or juice? Do we use this liturgy or that liturgy? Should communion be austere or should it be celebratory? Some folks will even choose which church they go to on one or more of these points. But I want to suggest to you that none of that really matters. What matters is the substance that our communion meal should be symbolizing. What matters are those two things. That Jesus, the Word of God, is the center of our lives as individuals and as a church together. And that we are unified, doing life together. Through the power of Christ's Spirit working in us, we are loving, forgiving, sharing, and being hospitable towards one another. If we have these two, how we do communion will pale into insignificance. And yet, and yet, our communion will be one of the most significant spirit-filled things that we will ever do. Amen. And may God make this so for us in Bigger and Blackmount as we continue on this journey that God has marked out for us. We move now to the table. And although the, you can't see it, this table is open to all, all who would come and eat with Jesus and with his family. If you're a visitor to our churches and you love and trust the Lord Jesus, you are welcome, you are most welcome to join with us in this meal. Now we'll do things a bit differently this morning for obvious reasons. When it comes time to eat the bread, since no one is serving anyone else, we will all eat at the same time as a symbol of our unity. And we will do the same when it comes to drink from the cup. So let's hear the words of institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul writes in his first letter to the Corinthians, and we hear it once again. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had broken, when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're going to stop now for a bit of silence and contemplation as we listen to a communion hymn. Let's listen together. Spread 
Let us pray. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and wine. That the bread we break and the cup we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Lord, by your Spirit, make us one with all who share this feast, united in love and ministry in every age and in every place. For we pray in and through our one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The things of God for the people of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who find refuge in him. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And we drink together.
Every time you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes. Amen. I'll leave you to share the peace afterwards with one another in person if you're able or if you aren't able on the phone or by Skype or by Zoom or whatever social media you prefer. But let me share the peace with you now. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let us pray. Lord, we are your people, diverse in age, in gender, in socioeconomic circumstances, different in every way, from the color of our hair, the tone of our voices, our backgrounds, our education, and the places where we have lived. We come in all this diversity to eat of this one bread and drink of this one cup, unified, made one by your gracious sacrifice upon the cross. Help us, Lord, therefore, to put aside differences that divide. Come and join our hearts together in love and respect for each other after your will and after your ways. We pray this for the sake of our church, for the sake of our community, for the sake of our nation, and for the sake of our world. Lord God, we pray for your church here in Bigger and Blackmount and throughout the world. Lord, in your mercy, make us one. For we pray these prayers in the name of our Savior, the one head of your church, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <laughs>